Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Welcome to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. We are in the thick of the throes on the final countdown to Christmas. I hope everybody's got a great holiday plan for themselves. A lot of people will be doing stuff over this coming weekend since Christmas falls on a Wednesday. So whatever you're doing, I hope you're safe, and I hope you're surrounded by friends and family that love you. That's uh, what's most important, and appreciate those folks when you're with them. Um, We have a really interesting show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about winged humanoids. Whenever we start this conversation, we have to preface it by saying that we will be talking about the Mothman, because I think the Mothman experience and sighting, and or many, many sightings, in fact, and the fact, and the fact that the whole Mothman story kind of ended with the collapse, with a catastrophe on December 15th, I think it was 1967, so almost to the day, 52 years ago. The Silver Bridge over the Ohio River in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, collapsed while people were rushing home from some holiday shopping. Uh, The death toll was in the 50s, I think. Our guest tonight, Lon Strickler, will know all about this and be able to talk to us about it. And some people think the Mothman, those sightings that led up to that event, was, was actually trying to warn people of an impending disaster. Well, what does that mean if... People have been seeing a Mothman-type creature, a winged humanoid, in Chicago recently. Or in other parts of the world where sightings have been reported. Does that mean that we can expect something terrible to happen in those places? Uh, It's all part of the story, and it's what we're going to be talking about tonight with our guest. Again, his name is Lon Strickler. He is a Fortean researcher, and he's written about... The Mothman, he's also researched these winged humanoid sightings. And we'll also talk about alien disclosure. That's another topic that he's written about. Make sure that you go to YouTube. This is, this is, you gotta, you know how you've got a list of things to do as you get ready for Christmas? I'm sure that list is quite long. I know my list is quite, quite long. Move to the very top of that list, what I'm about to say right now. Go to YouTube, search for JV Johnson when you find the channel, which is JV Johnson's Beyond paranormal subscribe it's going to be very important in the coming days we want you to be part of that community it's a global community those numbers are rising our subscriber count is rising our chat room activity is rising uh so we want you to be part of that as well we're always there when we broadcast live we stream live plus there's an archive of gosh we got to be getting close to 500 episodes now i gotta count those someday maybe i'll have uh Slick Eddie or or Orion count those. Can you guys count that? I mean, take a look anyway. Maybe there's just a total there. Maybe it even tells you. And see how many episodes we have. But I know there's a a bunch of back episodes there for your enjoyment. And they're all edited up nicely. So they're all about an hour apiece. Makes for a great listen when you're in the car. 
or, uh, you know, hanging out uh, while somebody's watching a Hallmark Christmas movie and you've seen it enough or you don't want to see it at all. It's, uh, it's You put the headphones in, you can listen to it. Uh, either way, go to YouTube, search for J.V. Johnson, and make sure you subscribe. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll bring our guest in. Again, Lon Strickler tonight on Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, gang, it's J.V. here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Beyond Reality Radio. Some of you are new to the program. And some of you have been with us for years. And no matter if you're interested in ghosts, the UFO phenomenon, conspiracy discussions, or any of the other topics we explore on this program, we do it for you. Our goal here is to help find answers to some of the world's most enduring mysteries. And as we continue to bring you interviews and discussions each night, it's important that we get your feedback and, even more importantly, your support. The media landscape is forever changing, and as it does, we need to be able to change with it. That's why it's important for you right now to go to our youtube channel and subscribe once on youtube just search for jv johnson you'll find it there subscribe it's all free and it'll make you part of our global community in addition beyond reality radio is available as a podcast go to your favorite podcast platform and search for beyond reality radio and subscribe there as well and finally we have an archive program that you may enjoy as well this show can be found on major podcast platforms and it's called beyond reality paranormal by supporting us in one or all of those places, you can be sure we'll be able to continue to deliver quality shows to you, no matter what form the media landscape takes. As a paranormal historian, I promise you the best and most entertaining conversations as we continue to hunt for the truth. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thanks for being here as we warm up for a pre-Christmas weekend. Christmas is on Wednesday of next week, right in the middle of the week. I hope, I hope that means everybody gets a little bit of time off, gets to enjoy friends and family. Our guest tonight, Lon Strickler, is a Fortean researcher, and he's the author of several books, including Alien Disclosure, Experiencers, Exposed Reality, and Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. He's researched wings, winged humanoids that have been sighted around Chicago and has also uh, researched alien disclosure. We're going to be talking about all of that tonight. Lon, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, winged humanoids. At what point did you first become interested in this particular topic? When did it show up on your radar, if you will? Well, I have known about, you know, of course, the Mothman incident in 67, in uh, 66 and 67 in Point Pleasant. But I had an encounter back in 1988 of something very similar to what people have been seeing in Chicago. So uh, that's how I kind of got started with man. So really, this is very personal for you. In a way, it is because it's been a big question as to what this thing was. And, I, you know, there had been other sightings in the same general area where I had mine, which was in, in south-central Pennsylvania. But uh, when this, uh, these sightings started happening in Chicago, well, the first three sightings were in 2011 in Chicago. And then, it, you know, there weren't many sightings reported, if any sightings reported. But 
starting in uh, March of uh, 2017, it uh, people started seeing these things all around the city and in the uh, in the suburbs. So your encounter, uh, and this kind of jumps ahead of where I wanted to go at this point, but it's but I have to ask this question: your encounter in South Central Pennsylvania is not super far away from uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is it? It's got to be, what, four, six, six hours maybe? I mean, it can't be too far. Yeah, it's about six to eight hours away. Yeah, so it's in the general, the same general geography. Um, and your sighting was in, what, you said 88? Yeah, I was in the fall of 1988. So then that would mean, and of course, if we're talking about sightings in and around Chicago as well, that would mean that these sightings of a Mothman-type creature did not end with the collapse of the Silver Bridge on December 15th, 1967. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's coincidental or our producers uh, had their fingers on the pulse here that we're, we're almost uh, at the anniversary, just a few days off of that anniversary. But um, a lot of people thought that that phenomena kind of ended when that bridge collapsed. No, not really. You know, there has been a continued uh, uh, rash of reports and sightings of this, what people called the Mothman, uh, up and down the Ohio River Valley into the areas around Point Pleasant. Up until this present day, I have received reports Fairly recently, so uh, it, it was something that you know. Of course, when the bridge did collapse, the uh, the Mothman sightings did coincide with the actual collapse, and then of course this the harbinger of doom theory was kind of put in there as a, uh, a portent of what happened. Um, but no, the sightings did continue, and they still continue. Do the sightings measure up to the frequency and intensity of the sightings that were happening around Point Pleasant, West Virginia, during 66 and 66 and 67? Probably more so. Really? So is, yeah. it, is it the fact that the, that story, the Point Pleasant story, ends with a tragedy? Make that particular uh, series of incidents stick with us a little more strongly than maybe some of these other sightings? Well, you know, it wasn't, you know, the Mothman itself wasn't the only phenomena that was going on in in around Point Pleasant. Right. Of course, there was the uh, Men in Black uh, sightings and incidents, a lot of UFO activity, as well as paranormal activity. And, of course, John Keel wrote the Mothman Prophecies, which kind of detailed uh, some of what was going on back then. And it, it stuck with people. And, of course, when these sightings in Chicago started to occur, we were, my team and I were getting calls about, uh, from just regular citizens who hadn't had a sighting but were aware of the uh, Silver Bridge collapse connected to the Mothman or a flying humanoid. And we were getting all kinds of uh, phone calls from people 24 7 there for a while, people that were afraid something was going to happen. I suppose it also doesn't hurt the story when uh, Richard Gere does a movie about it as well. That probably puts it on a lot of people's radar that might not otherwise know what the story is about, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have, uh, we've got just about four minutes here before we have to jump to our bottom-of-the-hour break. But uh, in that time, let's talk a little bit about what people saw in Point Pleasant, because I think it kind of sets the stage for what we're going to be talking about. Describe the Mothman creature for us. Well, the Mothman itself, the one from Point Pleasant, 
was an insectoid type humanoid. It had the uh, had the general body of uh, a human, but it had wings like that of a moth. Now there were several descriptions. Some stated that the the arms were attached to wings. Some stated that the arms were detached from the wings. But the wing structure itself was fairly uh, consistent. It was more like that of an actual moth. And the red eyes were quite prominent. It had a short, flat head that was kind of part of the the upper body. And uh, this thing actually was not shy about approaching people. It was uh, actually chasing people up and down the road along the uh the West Virginia Ordnance Works for what people call the TNT plant. And, uh, I, and the signs themselves were even extended out into the county and across the river and into Ohio. So it just wasn't concentrated just into Point Pleasant. But overall, I mean, I've gone back and looked at the reports and, uh, you know, what – may have actually been the I mean, real reports, and I think there was around 30 to 35 in that one-year period. But then, I, like I said before, there were other reports beyond that. I mean, that's that's a lot of reports for any particular incident. Oh, absolutely. Now, some, uh, some people yeah, have... Yeah, the reports we're getting now, we're up to 99 oh, wow. verified reports. Wow. Uh, some people uh, kind of describe the Mothman as almost looking owl-like as well. There, that description was thrown about a bit, too. Yeah, it has been. What's your opinion? Uh, you know, you've probably seen all of the artist renderings that have been created based on the eyewitness sightings. Uh, do you have an opinion? Which I mean, you mentioned insectoid. Is that where you think is probably the most accurate? Well, and when I mean insectoid, I mean like that of a moth, maybe a butterfly, the wing structure-wise. Um, you know, the sightings in Chicago were much been much different than that of the actual original Mothman description. Uh, those wings were different. Uh, it just happened, to, the moniker Mothman just kind of got picked up by the press and yeah. they went with it. But uh, what happened, you know, the, the creature that was seen in around Point Pleasant was anywhere from five to six foot in height. Uh, somewhat full-bodied with legs, uh, human-like legs, and the, the wide wings have probably extended anywhere to 8 to 10 foot. Uh, and then, of course, it had the large red, bright eyes. Yeah, the eyes were really common throughout all of the descriptions and seemed to be very important in the story. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, do you think that uh, there is a connection between the, the Mothman and these other sightings that we're talking about and some type of uh, portending of uh, tragedy? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't necessarily buy into the Harbinger theory. It, um, you know, there have been reported or supposedly reported sightings of winged humanoids uh, after several disasters. The only one that really holds any water beyond the uh, the Point Pleasant sightings were uh, the uh, the Blackbird of Chernobyl. And there were documented sightings of a large black humanoid that were seen above the uh, power plant before the disaster. But, you know, Fukushima in Japan supposedly had these flying humanoids above 
before. But, you know, there's no real proof of that. Lon, how long have you been writing about this stuff or following it and, and, and particularly putting stuff up on, on your website for people to follow? Well, I started the blog in 2005, but I've actually been investigating the paranormal since uh, around 1977. Oh, wow. Well, that was yeah, before so it was it's cool. Been about, right? It's been over 40 years. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we go back to this Mothman story, th- those sightings started in 66. I think it was late 66, right? And then it continued for about a year, and the collapse of the Silver Bridge was December 67. So right. as that story kind of wraps up, when did other startings or sightings start to be reported? Well, there, been, there were scattered sightings throughout that part of West Virginia. Uh, and, and, in fact... Uh, you know, I and when I started collecting reports myself, I would receive scattered sightings up and down the, the Ohio River, uh, as far south as Cincinnati and as far north as uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. But um, you know, the, 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 there have been other humanoid sightings, winged humanoid sightings, you know, nationwide as well. Uh, but like I said, it was very scattered. As you got these reports and you investigated them, what was your opinion? Uh, did, I mean, there must have been some that you felt were legitimate sightings and others that either were mistaken identity or maybe even hoaxes. Well, I I thought, have thought for many years that the, uh, just say the, the Mothman uh, or whatever this winged humanoid actually is, seemed to me to be a summoned being. Now, when I say summoned being, I believe it was actually summoned by some type of strong spiritual entity of some type. Um, the and the reason I say that is there are a lot of people that have reported to me uh, some of the encounters they have experienced while investigating the uh, the West Virginia ordinance works and some of the EVPs and some of the activity that has been described to me, and some I have actually heard, uh, kind of makes you think that there's something still there, something very strong energy-wise. And I, I kind of believe that the, the original Mothman was some type of sentinel or some type of guard for whatever reason. But I think it was summoned from some other type of, uh, either from an interdimensional uh, world or some type of parallel reality. Okay, you said a lot there that we need to pick apart a little bit. Um, do you believe, first of all, have you investigated that area near Point Pleasant, the munitions, what was it, a storage area, I believe? Yeah, many years ago I had. You did, and you got some of these EVP yourself? I had some strange experiences there. Uh, I Like I said, the, the EVPs I've heard have been from other people okay but they are they're quite convincing and are they talking about the mothman i mean it, no they, they don't no. reference no okay I, I, I assume from what i have heard it was some type of uh very strong spiritual energy okay so what uh, i don't know what it was related to but mm-hmm. i i do believe it was something related to the indigenous people of that area 
Okay, so what you're saying then is you, uh, based on the evidence that you've seen and heard, you believe there is a tr- a, a significant spiritual presence there, and mm-hmm. in this this uh, Mothman creature uh, may have been summoned by that spiritual presence as some type of sentinel or guard, if you will, uh, for something maybe just the land itself. Yeah, that's basically what it is. What I think it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, other people that have done investigations in a more traditional paranormal investigation sense, you know, EVP, uh, you know, using the other equipment, the the infrareds or whatever it happens to be that people use for paranormal investigations. Are those people, um, were they out to get answers about Mothman when they did these investigations or were they just doing them, um, you know, from a more uh, ghost hunting perspective? The ones I have been familiar with were people who were just in the area, not necessarily to uh, investigate the Mothman, but to investigate some of the uh, paranormal activity. So if you think there's a spiritual connection from this spiritual activity to the Mothman, does that mean that you think that the Mothman um, is, is somehow related to a dark energy, some kind of demonic entity, or something less less uh, nefarious I think it's more of a protector uh, it may be a like a uh, what we call thought form or something that was manifested but I, I I believe it was more of a protector and I and I believe some of these uh, sightings in Chicago may may actually be related to that as well but I'm you know that's something we haven't been able to figure out as of yet. So if, if the Mothman was a protector and it was it was summoned by the spiritual energy to protect that particular area, why then was it roaming all over the place and being sighted on, you know, it was sighted on the Silver Bridge, if I remember correctly, at one point. Um, why was it seen in so many different places and not just staying local to that particular area where it was summoned? Well, that whole area of West Virginia was, uh, was indigenous to the... Okay. Uh, the native people and uh in fact there were a lot of battles there between tribes and the settlers mm-hmm. and uh the shawnee was very very big part of the shawnee nation and uh in fact it, it was related to two very well-known shawnee uh uh chiefs uh, chief cornstalk and tecumseh which were very uh, connected to that area. These uh, native peoples, have you had a chance to interview any of them? Do they have an opinion of the Mothman? Do they acknowledge it? You know, there, there's there's not much uh, history that people today know about as far as the Shawnee. They kind of moved around a lot. Most of, most of the Shawnee traditionalists can be found in uh in ohio but they, their territory extended the whole way up into pennsylvania for quite a while as we move away from the 1966 and 67 incidents and and there are sightings that are starting to be reported in chicago when did those start and are they continuing today yeah they um you know we became aware of them initially in 2011 when there were three sightings in the city of Chicago, uh, most notably the first one, which was at 63rd and Plasky Road, uh, was the one where the photograph was taken of this winged being. And quite frankly, that 
that photograph is probably the best one that anybody has gotten so far or that we know of. Then uh, within that three-month period of these first three sightings, there was one in Miller Park in Chicago, and then a little bit later there was one in Washington Park, which is near the University of Chicago. So they, they were from uh, August, September, and October, there were three different sightings. Then, you know, the uh, the hoopla kind of died down. There were no real reported sightings uh, at that time from 2011 to 2017, though we did receive some later when the sightings started to pick up in 2017. But the that area in and around Chicago, and I would say overall from southern Wisconsin south into Illinois into Indiana uh, and other areas around Lake Michigan are, are quite well known for uh, winged entities and, and a lot of winged humanoids. Is there any uh, commonality, any um, similarities between the people that have reported these sightings? Is there any particular demographic or particular uh, characteristics of those folks that you noticed? No, no, no they, uh, they kind of run the gamut. I mean, we've had... Um, We've had witnesses from, you know, uh, from areas that are, you know, quite uh, uh, poor or, you know, in in the inner city, Mm -hmm. out into the suburbs, into the high-rises of Chicago, all around. I mean, even out into the countryside, it kind of spans the... uh, you know, it kind of spans uh, the the whole social economic uh, level there. So there's, uh, I, you, I was going to kind of move this towards a religious uh, component. Uh, you don't know if these particular people were were religious in any way, um, many uh, more than so than other people might be. Yeah, some were more so than others. Uh, and in fact, we had we had one part of the city that had a, a lot of sightings, which is the little village area of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, large Hispanic neighborhood, and we had eight sightings reported within that neighborhood. And uh, it's a very religious uh, Catholic uh, population, and uh, they they were quite scared of what was going on, and in fact, most of them were calling it a black devil. Oh really? Yeah. So their opinion then it was that it was somehow uh, demonic or evil in some fashion. Yeah, that's kind of you know with people with people uh, that come from Latin America who emigrate uh, into Chicago that and have had these encounters. That uh, kind of had that's the overall theme. Are, are those folks more superstitious than maybe um, we would normally find? You know, I would say so, uh, but you know, as far as if it, as it being a connection to what's really going on, you know, I, I, I we really don't know. You right, know, there right. we we've got a lot of theories about why this thing is showing up, but we we're just not really positive as of yet. Lon's website, by the way, is phantomsandmonsters.com. He's got several books to his credit as well. You're going to want to check out. Lon, short segment, but let's start talking about some of these theories that you have uh, for why these creatures are appearing, particularly now. Well, I I guess the most popular theory is that 
these entities or these winged beings are coming through some type of portal of some type. Uh, why? We don't know. I mean, these, the sightings seem to be very fleeting. They seem to come in and out over our reality very quickly. Uh, I have had two witnesses at two different times see these things fly into like an invisible doorway and just disappear. There have been people who have thought maybe there was some type of witchcraft involved that might have been summoned somehow. Um, there have been other theories involving possible UFO activity and that these beings being involved with some type of extraterrestrials, <clears throat> as well as uh, other theories to do with uh, possible uh, submerged-type craft out in uh, Lake Michigan and being connected to these beings. So there, there's just a lot of it. I mean, you know, I, I think <laughs> there's got to be at least 20 theories that we've looked at and nothing really solid at this point, but I, I do believe that the interdimensional theory or this thing coming in and out of a portal, and these beings I do believe are corporal. I don't. I, don't, I think they are flesh and blood, but I, uh, I, you know, I do believe that they're coming from somewhere else. Interdimensional and flesh and blood. That's an interesting combination. Yeah, it is. Uh, you, you. Um theorized that the Mothman was something that may have been summoned by spiritual energy as a protector of uh, Native American lands in the Point Pleasant area. Are you thinking the same thing for the Chicago sightings? You know, I it, it may be. You know, the, uh, Illinois has uh, had a, a lot of uh, winged entity sightings of various types. That had been related to the, uh, the indigenous First Nations people who lived there. Uh, I don't know if these beings are somehow connected, or have they been summoned by them? I don't know. But why they're coming in and how they're coming in—that's just something we haven't been able to figure out. And believe me, we <laughs> we have looked everywhere, and you know, I mean, I've gone into so many different. I mean, some type of any type of research to try to get a little inkling of what this may actually be. But to this point, we just can't be sure what it is. Well, I think, I mean, the only evidence we really have at this point is that people have cited them. Um, we, we haven't really seen them performing any activities. We haven't, uh, I don't know if we've heard any uh, sounds that one might make. We certainly haven't talked to one. And uh, we have very little video or photo photographic evidence. So I imagine that's got to be a real difficult thing to do to try to determine what their uh, reasoning is when you don't have much information to work with. Yeah, some of the anecdotal evidence has been pretty strong. We've had police officers who have seen these things and reported it. Uh, we had a recent sighting in and around the uh, O'Hara Airport area, Rosemont area, of a winged being accompanied by an alien gray and two female humanoids. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, you know, that's something else we're looking into. That kind of took it out to another thread from this phenomenon. So uh, we're, hope, you know, and the, the witness themselves had like a men in black encounter after it occurred. 
I do believe something very profound did happen to her. I'm going to urge you again tonight, make sure you go to YouTube, search for the channel. It's JV Johnson. It's very easy to find. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel. There's a lot of great stuff there now, and there's a lot more on the way. And there's no fee or anything to subscribe. It's just, it's free. You just, I think you just need a YouTube account, but that's simple to do as well. Uh, And just subscribe again, YouTube, JV Johnson, very simple to find. And we want you to be part of that community. Tonight, we're talking with Lon Strickler. Lon is a 40 and research He's been researching winged humanoid creature sightings, particularly around Chicago. We're also going to talk about alien disclosure in tonight's conversation with Lon. Um, Let's bring Lon back in. Lon, I'm going to go to the phone lines. We've had some people waiting here. And actually, anytime Barry from South Carolina calls, we put him to the front of the line. Barry, welcome to the program. (laughs) Hello there, JV. What a pleasure it is to speak to you and your guests. Always good to hear from you, Barry. No kidding. I've got to mention real quick, Florida versus JV. Did you see where that Yankee got a nine-year contract for $324 million? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy stuff, isn't it? He's outside of our pay range. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons I don't watch much baseball anymore, and it's sad because I used to really enjoy it, but it's the money's gotten in the way. That's the thing, and the TV revenues is is what's keeping the baseball teams alive because yeah. the attendance is not real great. No, you watch you watch some of these games. You think they should be packed, and there's empty seats all over the place. It's really kind of sad. Um, it really is sad. I don't I don't know what else to say about it, but yeah. So, what's on your mind, Barry? Well, as a matter of fact, I was going to tell your guest. Uh, it's not a Mothman type sighting, but I live about two hours from Mount Mitchell, North Carolina, which is the highest mountain east of South Dakota, and and uh, from about 5,000 feet up to 7,000 feet where the mountain is, I've talked to some park rangers up there on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and they say that, that a number of tourists and guests and a number of the uh, game wardens and the park rangers and so forth They've seen a, a creature that more resembles a bat, and it's not but as big as about a, a vulture, a, a great big uh, buzzard. But but they say that it is real menacing. Oh wow! Uh, the people that have witnessed it. But anyway, I was just going to throw that out there yeah. and go there. And thanks for taking my call, Barry. you and Orion, and have a great Christmas. Barry, and don't holiday season. Don't hang up yet, Barry. Are you still there? Okay. Um, yeah, are these reports of this bat-type creature uh, indicate that it's humanoid? Well, the thing about it is the bat is the only mammal that can fly, basically. It, it's, uh, right. they are, they're, they're the closest related flying creature to human beings. Right. They actually have a skin a membrane in mm-hmm. between the bones, and... Uh, but but uh, talking about none of them, none of these descriptions I heard from the park rangers or anything had glowing red eyes or whatever. But the face and head really resembled more a bat than a human. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that with us, Barry Lon. Have you heard about this report? Well, not that particularly. But in Chicago, the most of the sightings are bat winged creatures. Oh, okay. They're they're described as. Uh, Batwing gargoyles. Some people will say they look like the the 
the creature I mean, from Jeep, uh, Jeepers Creepers. Uh, we get that, we get that description all the time. But overall, the the body and the wings themselves, they're a thin, emaciated type body, anywhere from five to seven foot in height. <clears throat> the wings uh, the wings are bat like with the membrane, which have uh, a uh, wingspan up to ten to, to fifteen foot, and it's got a smaller head. And many of them have the red eyes. So yeah, the uh, the bat wing gargoyle type features are what's mostly being seen in Chicago. So Barry said that the reports in South Carolina say this creature is about the size of a vulture. So I guess this one would be a little bit smaller than what's been reported in Chicago. Well, we have gotten reports of smaller ones. Um, In fact, we had one recently. Someone said it was about the size of a large dog that Mm. they saw uh, scampering across the road with its wings. But uh, there have been a few. Uh, I, I guess these things can be juvenile as well. Yeah. Lon, you uh, say that you've done a lot of research in trying to determine what they are, where they're coming from and all that. I mean, again, going back to this this idea of researching, um, you know, your resources are probably pretty slim. Where do you do most of your research to try to determine or get some answers to these questions? I basically rely on uh, the people, the experiencers who are seeing these things and uh, talking them directly. That's where most of the information has come from. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's not a lot of historical information available. It's, uh, yeah. you know, since the advent of the Internet, it, it's become more available, but it's, it's mostly geared to the Mothman uh, incident in, in Point Pleasant. But the, uh, the information we're getting is coming directly from the witnesses. You mentioned some sightings, or at least one, near O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, corroborating reports from radar operators or anything indicating that some type of uh, blip is showing up on radar that might correspond with some of these sightings? Well, that's uh, that's one of the things I'm in process of getting now. I've been I've been working on getting FOIA reports put out. We've had a rash of sightings around the airport and in the airport since the beginning of October of this year. Uh, We've actually had uh, five sightings around Rosemont, which is northeast of the airport, and then three sightings in the cargo areas in the actual airport itself. And, in fact, we had a TSA agent, TSA official, report one of these as well about two weeks ago. With all of these sightings, as you look into them and you talk to uh, eyewitnesses, do you believe there's multiple creatures being seen, or do you think it's the same one showing up in different places? In the beginning, I, I thought there were probably at least three of these things, and that's talking about in 2017. I believe now uh, there there are certain individuals in certain areas, but I'm I'm quite sure there's more than one. I guess if there's a disparity in size, and, you know, between reports too, that you'd have to assume that it's not the same creature in every well, instance. Well, it's mostly characteristics, uh, the, the the way they make themselves shown uh, to people, uh, you know, and also in in region because we do have sightings as far 
north as Milwaukee. So we're getting sightings in Wisconsin and in Illinois and, and occasionally down in Indiana. All right, let's go back to our phone lines. Another uh, welcome caller, Fred from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Fred, welcome to the show. Great show, J.V., as always. Thank always. you very much. Always good to hear from you, Fred. Um, I just got a quick comment. He talked about that it's, it had chased some people on some particular road up there in West Virginia or somewhere. That's right. And there was a story a few years back, uh, a girl, I don't know, maybe 18 or something, up towards the mountains of North Carolina, she she was in her car and going along the road, and she looked up, and something caught her eye, and there was a huge mothman up in the tree, she said. Well, the family made fun of her for years, four or five years. So one morning, her brother picked her up. They're going to work real early, like this time of year. It was still dark. And they're going along the same road, and there's this somebody standing beside the road, thought it was somebody with a raincoat at first, and he had her stop the car, which may not have been wise, and he got out with a flashlight, started walking towards it a little bit, and uh, then saw the red eye, ran back in the car, and they kind of took off, and it went up, and, and, and they claimed that it, it came down on top of the car, you know, or the station wagon or whatever, and hit the top, and they even had scratch marks. And he told her that everybody thought she was so crazy. He said, don't you tell anyone, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, what we just saw, supposedly. So anyway, that's that's the uh, only thing I've heard about that in our area. Fred, when was that? When did that happen? Oh, I- I'd say a handful of years ago. So, you know, r- relatively recently. We're not talking about back in the 60s or anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh. it was uh, not that long ago. It was maybe eight or ten years, something like that. Was, it, was this a report you read about somewhere in the media, or do you know these people? No, I don't know them. I just heard about it I from see. somebody. I and, see. And, and I, first I'd ever heard of a Mothman, because I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't into, I didn't know anything about it like y'all do. I, you know, uh, and then after after that story, I started hearing some stuff about it. And, of course, y'all, you know, on these shows, y'all are starting, you've been talking about it some, so I realized, well, there really might be a Mothman uh Everywhere here at times. Yeah, have you heard any other reports from uh, other sources since no. that particular one? Nope, that's it. Interesting. That's only one. Well, yeah. Fred, thanks for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Two different times, you know. Right, right, of course, yeah. Thank, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Uh, again, uh, Lon, something that you've heard of? Did you hear about that account? Well, you know, I do have family in uh, in the Smoky Mountains and around Rune Mountain and around that area. And, you know, I've heard a lot of things over the years. And... Uh, be kind of honest with you, I, I, a winged humanoid type being wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. You know, there are areas in the country where these have been seen in bunches. In particular, around the same time this was going on in Chicago, I had three sightings of a similar type being in Pasco County, Florida, which is not too far from Tampa. So, um, you know, we've had some down in Texas had some uh, just east of Cleveland. And, of course, here in Pennsylvania, there's been a scattered number of sightings for years. So, uh, you know, as well as up into Canada, we, we had a lot of sightings up in southern Ontario. So this is something that is kind of nationwide, but it does seem to uh, congregate in certain areas. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier in our discussion, Lon. You talked about the Chernobyl sighting and the Fukushima sighting. Obviously, both um, very, very catastrophic nuclear disasters, one in, uh, in Ukraine and the other one in Japan. What are the, tell us a little bit about those sightings. Was there anything unique about those? 
Well, the, uh, the, the sighting in Chernobyl, some, some of the people that lived in the town nearest, uh, nearest the, um, the nuclear plant occasionally had mentioned, and there was some record of it, of this uh, black large-winged being uh, that was seen uh, circling above the power plant. Now, you know, I, I don't know what they thought of it other than being a, a huge bird-like being. But, uh, of, course, when the, uh, of course, when the disaster happened, uh, people started mentioning it more and more, and uh, it became part of the vernacular as far as with the uh, uh, related to the uh, disaster. And, of course, some people kind of tied it into what happened at Point Pleasant. As far as Fukushima, uh, it, it was kind of after the fact there. Uh, nobody had mentioned anything about seeing any winged being until after the uh, the nuclear disaster. Then some people came forward and said, oh, yeah, we saw, we saw these angel-like beings, angel-like entities uh, flying and sitting on top of the uh, nuclear plant. So, you know, I don't know how much of that, is actual, you know, something that people actually saw. Though I can't find any references of sightings before the disaster. So the Chernobyl reports came prior to the disaster. The Fukushima reports kind of came after the fact, although some people then came forward and said, oh, yeah, by the way, I did see something before this happened. Exactly. That makes it a little less credible, I would I would think. Yeah, I mean, I don't find it credible. At all? No. Nah. Okay. Um, that, and I also heard you use a word that I hadn't heard in any of the other descriptions, angelic. Does anybody else use that description? Of any Not of necessarily. I, I haven't heard any, um, any of the recent sightings that we've been working with as being angelic. Bill, there was a particular sighting near Ottawa, oh, I guess about about a decade ago, they called the angel, the Ottawa Angel, and this thing was pretty huge. I mean, I'm talking about some people described it being as big as 15 foot in height. Oh wow! And they said it looked like an angel. And uh, you know, I I have read the, read the reports. Um, I, I think the guy who wrote it was was very credible. He even did some sketches of it. Now, what he saw, I have no idea, but uh, there was something that was seen, and there was another large-winged humanoid seen in the Niagara area of New York not long after that, so, and that was pretty big as well because the, the two witnesses happened to see it while they were driving on an interstate, so you know, they kind of describe the same thing. So what the, what they saw, I have no idea. Are the sightings of these winged humanoid creatures cyclical in any way? Is there any pattern to them? Um, n- not really. I mean, um, we I've had witnesses that have seen them flying, standing. You know, in all all types of situations. I mean, you know, it's it's nothing. R- the the only thing that's common for the most part is the body style, the wings, and uh, occasionally the eyes. But all the sightings are fle- fairly fleeting sightings. Most of them are at nighttime. 
Uh, we will have an occasional daylight sighting, but they, they're very fleeting. They're very quick. And there's no pattern to the appearances, like they don't come every seven years in, in a cluster and then, then kind of disappear for a while? There's Not nothing that I like know that? of, no. It just seems completely random. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, now, you've written all about this in your book, Mothman Dynasty, right? Yeah, and I'm actually working on a follow-up now. When's the follow-up going to be published? Don't know. I, I'm <laughs> trying to get it out in the spring, maybe. All right, well, you've also, your your most recent book, which was actually released in May of this year, is called Alien Disclosure, Experiencers Expose Reality. Tell us about that one. Well, I have been involved with the um, the alien abduction, alien contact, he phenomena for a long time now. I, I'd say almost 25 years. And I've worked with a lot of people who have claimed to have had experiences and abductions and have gone through a lot of personal uh, experiences and have uh, contacted me and, you know, talked to me about it. In particular, I had one gentleman by the name of David Eckhart, who uh, I've been associated with for over a decade now, who still has encounters in his home. Um, these aren't. These don't have anything to do with craft. They're, they're, they come through a portal, and he and his family had been abducted quite early for up to two to three times a week. And in fact, he was actually cured of a, a very bad arthritic condition by these alien beings. But he's not the only one. I have I have worked with other people who have had. Uh, had had harrowing experiences, experiences, to be quite honest. And in fact, I, I did uh, become involved with a woman and her mother who had some experiences in a home, and she vanished. The girl. She just disappeared. Yeah, she she was abducted, I believe, and uh, there there hasn't been a trace of her for almost ten years now. Oh wow. Um, yeah. The uh, the gentleman I don't didn't catch his name completely that you say you've been working with for a long time Eckhart was it David Eckhart yeah. Eckhart um, you say he's still being visited in his home oh yeah have yeah. you have you been able to be present when any of that's happened I haven't been down there but uh, there have been other researchers and in fact the fact and fake paranormal files did a segment an episode on on his phenomena and they will they were not able to disprove what's going on there, which is quite unusual. Uh, they experienced a lot of strange phenomena as well. So what's the phenomena, other than being visited, what what are the other signs of this visitation? Well, the, the one that they noticed the most and I had known about was uh, they had set their, their van outside the house, and they had someone inside the house, and actually another person up in the tree looking through the window watching David as he was in the bedroom. And now all these these nighttime encounters happened in the bedroom. Uh, David said there would be a portal that would open up. Well, he had told me that one thing that he did notice when he would have his encounters was that the next day he would come outside and his lawn and um, his uh, driveway and sidewalks would be covered with earthworms. Apparently, there was an electrical charge created by these uh, beings coming into his home, 
and he'd had to go out there every morning literally with a hose and wash them <laughs> down onto the street to the chagrin of the neighbors. And, uh, you know, so when they were actually taping the episode, they had, they were, the guys were in the van, uh, Ben Hansen, who was the, who was the uh, head guy with uh, the paranormal files, they started having electrical problems all of a sudden. And it was, and David said they're here or something to that effect. He also said, I heard piano music too. And that did happen occasionally. So anyway, when, when the electricity came back on, they came out of the truck and when they walked onto the grass into, you know, on off the street, it was literally covered in earthworms. Well, um, you've looked at other people and other uh, encounters. Do you focus primarily on abduction or visitation scenarios? Mostly, yeah, I do, and it, it's it's something where I don't necessarily go out looking for this. These encounters, they come to me. The people find you to tell tell you their yeah. story. Yeah. Why is that? Because you've just been your reputation as an investigator and researcher? Maybe, but there are a lot of factors involved there. And one of them is that for most people usually contact MUFON or another reporting agency first. Right. And unfortunately, they don't get many answers, let alone cooperation. And then they just get tired of it and then come someplace else. And I usually end up getting called, and that's what happened with David. And it's happened to others as well. Let's try to squeeze in one more listener call. This is TJ from Rhode Island, another great caller. Hey, TJ, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for the welcome. And I have a question for your guest regarding the intersection of the phenomenon with anything else like these Mothman ones or or any of the others he studied. Because one thing about the old X-Files that I found interesting was the way they entwined uh, appearances from dead people relative to aliens and relative to all of these other things. And is there any intersection where things can say, you can see a pattern immediately preceding, say, a Mothman-type sighting or immediately following? And I mean really general, like anything from poltergeist to UFO activity, either before or after. Great question, TJ. Um, I know that in Point Pleasant, you know, we had talked about men in black and other alien-type um, activity that seemed to precede Mothman. But what do you think, Lon? Is, is there anything like that? Um, well, Point Pleasant, usually the, the men in black phenomena usually came after most of the sightings. But as far as what I have been investigating with these current sightings, there, there really hasn't been much uh, intersection with other type of phenomena which we believe thought was quite unusual. We thought maybe there'd be UFO activity that would increase it. And, in fact, it actually decreased in that area because Chicago is well-known for UFO activity. So that's one thing we thought was quite strange. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, I do believe most phenomena or uh, paranormal phenomena is connected. Uh, you know, people but you feel about this one is pretty much a standalone type of event. Well, I, I, I think uh, as far as the wing humanoids, it may be. But then again, you know, I have, uh, I have seen instances, investigated instances, just like with uh, Bigfoot or 
other type of cryptids being uh, associated with UFO activity and extraterrestrial activity. I, I think there are connections in many instances. Okay. All right. Like I said, I was pretty broad on the entire question regarding anything from poltergeists to hauntings to to uh, I don't know what else you could throw in there, but anything that would that would uh, form a pattern that you could see. Well, like I said, it, so far we haven't seen a pattern, but I'm not I'm not saying that it, there isn't something there. Okay. All right. I appreciate it, and a very merry Christmas to you, since I don't think you'll be beyond between. Uh, Hello? You're, you're still there, TJ. Hey, did I oh. did I read this correctly? You've got a birthday coming up? Yes, I do. Happy birthday, I do. sir. Do I get a birthday shout-out for a good friend of the show? Sure. Okay. You absolutely do. Want me to do it right now? Yeah, it's Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. It's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That's why I remember your friend Cindy, was it, who was the actress yes. in the, and told me it's like being born at this time of the year is tragic because you're born skeptical. That's right. That's right. Uh, TJ, thanks for calling. Happy birthday. Have a great weekend, my friend. And, and, oh. uh, and we probably won't talk to you, so have a Merry Christmas as well. Oh, same to you and yours. Okay. Um, I did want to follow up on TJ's question, though, Lon. Um, you know, poltergeist activity and uh, spirit-type paranormal activity. You mentioned spirit activity going on in Point Pleasant where you thought right. there may be a summoning connection. So I guess there is a little bit of that somewhere. Yeah, it, it can be. I mean, I you know, I, that is just a theory of mine because of... Uh, all the activity that we have uh, seen happen in that same area as the sightings. Uh, but that's just really a theory of mine. Uh, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't occur, but like I said, as far as actual proof goes, yeah, it, you know, it, it could be, but then and we're not really sure. I want to go back to talking about these abduction cases. There's a lot of high-profile cases. Which of the... Maybe it's not even a high-profile case, but which case uh, most impresses you? Which ones do you really look to as being the the standard bearer for this type of uh, phenomenon? Well, I mean, I guess the original, which is the first one I ever heard of when I was a kid, was the uh, Betty and Barney uh, Hill. Yeah, yeah, their their abduction in New New Hampshire. There were so many facets to that, uh, as far as what they experienced and. Uh, how they reacted, and some of the uh, details they were given, and you know what what occurred when they went under hypnosis. It, it was just a lot to it, and uh, you know it was it one, maybe the most famous and, and earliest actual investigation as far as a uh, uh, an experiencer or an abduction. But quite frankly. It had so many things to it that uh, it, I think it's one of the most interesting. I think so, too. And one of the things that makes it so interesting is that uh, Betty and Barney Hill didn't stand to gain anything by coming forward with this story. In fact, it seems like it actually may have been more of a burden to them to come forward with the story. Well, since they were an interracial couple at that time, yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. They had nothing to gain from it. And then, of course, there's a the Travis Walton case yeah which is another high profile case do you look into that one at all i have um you know i like travis i've talked to travis in the past uh i don't necessarily buy into the whole 
the whole scenario. Interesting. Okay. Uh, of course, you know, they made a movie about it, and a lot of that was embellished. But when you actually go and read his account, you know, there are a lot of things in, in that account that, you know, are hard to prove. And, of course, you know, a lot of us are skeptic to a degree. Uh, I do have questions, but, you know, I don't discount him, really. I mean, he, it, it seems that he was under a lot of stress during the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is, I mean, it's an interesting story. It could have very well happened, but, you know, I'm, when it comes to abductions, I get a little more skeptical than normal. Uh, you know, the interesting part of Travis Walton's story is that he had several witnesses who all passed polygraph tests. And, right. you know, it's one thing to have one or two people pass the polygraph test, but I think it was like five or six of them actually did. Uh, and you'd, you'd think that if it was a fabricated story, someone would have cracked under that test. Not that they're foolproof by any means. Yeah, I mean, like there was, there was a lot of information that it was very interesting and could have actually happened. But... Uh... You know, I, I I always had that little thing in the back of my head that was saying, eh, you got to look at this with a more discerning right, <laughs> viewpoint. Right. Well, you got yeah. you got to approach all of these yeah. uh, instances with a bit of skepticism. Otherwise, we'll just be fooled by everything. So that's an important tact to take. Lon, we're basically out of time here. Uh, what are you working on next? And where can people find more information about your books and your other work? Well, I'm working on a flying cryptid book, and I will be putting the. Uh, the later sightings of the Chicago phenomena in there. But I'm also going to be covering other flying being and flying cryptid cases that I've been involved with and people have reported to me. Uh, so that book should be coming out sometime in, uh, in early next year. Uh, like I said, my website is famsandmonsters.com. If you have a report, you can just go there and, and click the button and uh, get my email, or you can actually call me. My number is there as well. Uh, I have a radio show, Arcane Radio, which can be found on ParanormalKing.com. We do that every, live every Friday night, and we have a podcast as well. And uh, I'm involved with a lot of different stuff. I've got my Phantoms and Monsters Fortune Research team. We have uh, 18 individuals who have been working with me uh, over the years, and uh, we're trying to find the truth. That's basically what, you know, if we didn't like what we were doing, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, uh, Lon, so I can appreciate what you're saying there. Thanks so much for being here tonight. I hope you have a great Christmas, and I'm looking forward to having you back on the show. We can get you back on. Well, same to you, and thanks for having me. Uh, for those of you who haven't visited our YouTube stream, the live stream of the program on YouTube during the breaks, we offer some nostalgia and various uh, trivia and kind of a look back at some old television programs, commercial, whatever. Like, and sometimes YouTube doesn't like it, so we apologize <laughs> to all those that, that we made, to all the toes we've stepped on. Anyway, thanks to Lon Strickler for being with us tonight. I hope everybody has a great weekend, especially if it's the the the, the opportunity you'll have to celebrate Christmas. Christmas and holidays with friends and family. A lot of people will do that over the weekend, travel, whatever it has happens to be. Be safe and uh, enjoy your time with your loved ones. It's Beyond Reality Radio. 
Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at J.V.J. Paranormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.